We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Feels like it's been forever, but that's because we did a special wrestling show over the weekend, so it kind of carried us through. We'll touch on wrestling a little bit here later on in the show. This week, we figured, hey, since it has been a couple of days off, I think six days between pods in studio, that, you know what, we'll do everything today. We'll touch on MMA boxing and pro wrestling throughout the show we also have two amazing guests on the show this week bobby green who is just taking off as a maniac in terms of popularity in the ufc stepping in on short notice against one of the best fighters in his division islam makachev this weekend guys fearless doesn't care fight anybody anywhere anytime we'll be talking to him later on in the show and then we also have baron black Coming on, talking about his 0-48 streak. Yeah. <laughs> the man. We got to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, but uh, Terminus is this weekend. Terminus 2 in Atlanta. Amazing new promotion um, brought to you by Baron Black. Uh, is part of that group there. And Jonathan Gresham, those two put together this promotion out of Atlanta. Amazing to see a great diversity on these shows and amazing pro wrestling. Like the rule sets and everything. It's a pro wrestling promotion built for pro wrestlers. So we'll chop it up with him later as well. It was snowing outside of here in Vegas. It's been crazy. Getting in here, I was like, man, I, I'm ready for this cold to just go away. It, it was. It's definitely that last week of like winter here in Vegas. So it's good to have all these interviews, all these amazing people here. Boost the energy level in here. One thing that didn't boost my energy level, Dre, your boy John Jones is in the new cycle again. Hey, man. I was like, it's always always a weird show when we got to kick off talking about John Jones. But much like Kanye, I'm never surprised anymore. No. And for those, obviously, that didn't know, you know, John Jones on night of the Hall of Fame was arrested, potential domestic abuse with his wife, well, his fiance. Yeah. I don't know why fiance. I keep trying to slip call his wife. I guess when you lose somebody for like 10 years, maybe you should get married. But... Now the video comes out, uh, Las Vegas Metro, him headbutting the police car, 
him acting a complete fool. He was drunk as a skunk. Oh, yeah, he was wasted. So there's two things about this that bother me. One, seeing John Jones head but a police car is troublesome because it seems like it's very clear this man has some issues. Yeah. Right? But we've known this. Two, the bigger concern that I have is when somebody like John Jones or anybody in particular has a situation that they've kind of brought upon themselves, the first thing they do with the police is like, you're doing this because I'm big and black. No, they're not. Yep. You're doing it because you punch your fiance in the face, allegedly. allegedly. Right? Yeah. That don't don't conflate the issues. It ain't because you're big and black and the UFC champion. Actually, it's kind of why it was they might have been a little bit lenient on you because they knew who you were. Yep. But don't bring that whole, oh, it's only because I'm black. No, it's because you hurt somebody. You can't do that. I always, I mean, I'm not a particular like specialist in this department. Um, but it's one of the things I always wondered about. Like people who don't speak on issues, who don't speak up. Oh, I know who, where you're going with this. Who this are is anonymous, right? Yeah. Like they, and that's their right. You don't have to be black and speak on black issues. You don't have to talk about George Floyd. You don't have to talk about all that stuff. That is your right. When is it okay to be conveniently black? Oh, no. It's, that's the thing. You just use the perfect term. Convenience, right? John used this in his drunken mind state to try to make it feel like he's the victim. John Jones has created an atmosphere that everything that happens to him is not because of him. Even when he went to rehab for like that day, <laughs> it wasn't like he took it seriously where he recognized that he was the problem. He tried to create the problem being the environment. Yep. This situation was the police. They, they attacked John Jones. No, John, you're your own worst enemy. And I've seen way too many people, especially in this community, who don't speak up on social issues or anything like that, but now when it's convenient that it might be able to bail you out of something or now you need the people to have your back, now it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, you're doing this because I'm black. No, we're doing, you, this happens to you because you're a fool. Yeah. and Because there's actual black people that this happens to right. because they're black. Right. But and not, when that comes to the forefront, you're quiet. Not in the case of John Jones. So this video was disturbing, him headbutting the police car, the, the language that he was using. He was clearly drunk out of his mind. But if you're the UFC... Do you do you pursue a fight with him and Stipe for July still? Yeah, because this is water under the bridge. Is like, it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you're the UFC, in all honesty, with the charges that were levied against him that he's beat, you know, pretty much, of all the video that could come out of that night, it's pretty tame. Yeah. I, Hotel video of his wife coming to the desk where they originally called the cops on John Jones, way more damning than this. That has the surface. Not yet. Not yet. You know, I don't, I don't know, but it's very possible. But there's way worse videos out there. No, no, of course. That, that could pop up. You look at this and you go, all right, a drunk guy's getting arrested. I, I mean, I was disturbed not because of John Jones' actions, because, I mean, I, I just always have that, like, recollection. Like, it does bother me when there's seven cops around a black guy and he's getting arrested. It just makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. So when I'm watching it, like, seeing him and, at some points, it looks like he was teetering between anger and crying and, like, pleading. Like, that does bother. Like, that aspect of it is like, oh. And then I remember it's John Jones. Oh, my God. Nah. Like, this guy deserves it. But I, I just don't like watching that situation. It's, like, traumatic. Like, I've been arrested too many times, like, that way, where it just, like, puts you back in that mindset, right? Like, we, we've seen shit go bad. Yes, When people course. aren't John Jones in these situations, 
And then I had to remember, oh, it's John Jones. So they let him headbutt uh, a cop car. Took the pain off the cop car with his head. Yeah, like, I'm not, they're not letting me headbutt a cop car. I'm definitely getting batoned at that point. Yeah. If not worse. So the reason why I ask that question is because, not because of this singular incident. It's a, it's a compound of incidents with John Jones where you never know when it's going to stop. You wonder, all right, you just, on the, the night of the Hall of Fame, that you were getting inducted in the Hall of Fame, you pulled this. And now when the video comes out, it makes it look a lot worse. Because now it's like, oh, he had about a police car. And it's like, well, we didn't see it, so it's out of sight, out of mind. But then when you actually see it, it's very disturbing. But if you're at the UFC, it's like, well, how much self-sabotage can one man do? Because he's not done is the issue. Today he puts out a tweet. He's like, all my haters, my fiance left me. I hope you're happy now. And I quote tweeted, I was like, I don't think haters is the proper term. I don't think people that have looked at you do these things and still forge ahead as one of the greatest UFC MMA fighters of all time with an opportunity to possibly challenge for the heavyweight title and having some people support you because we feel like, well, you probably should get paid more. I don't think these people are haters. I think the issue is you. Yeah. And if I'm the UFC, do I take another gamble on John Jones who wants more money and could potentially... Hold up. Let's just say he beats Stipe. Let's just say they pay John Jones to fight yeah. Stipe Miocic. He beats him, and he finds himself in this issue again, holding up the heavyweight division. Do you no, take they, a chance on that? They have a blueprint now for John. They they know how to strip him but, of but, the title. But wait, let me, right let, let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. And it's the interim belt. Well, take that right off. Then let me stop you right there, though, because do you want two headaches at the top of the heavyweight division with John Jones and Francis Ngannou? I think one's enough. I think the reason why... John's a different type of head. But I'm saying, the reason why you have an interim title is because you have an issue with Francis Ngannou. And now he's injured, so you have an excuse yeah. to create an interim title. Because now, no matter when or if Francis Ngannou comes back, you could put Stipe in that position. He'll fight. He'll be ready to fight. He won't give you a hard time. But if John Jones were to fight Stipe and were to beat Stipe, and he goes back into a contractual dispute or he gets arrested again, and then Francis Ngannou is like, ah... I don't, you know, I need more money. Now you got two people holding up the division. John won't be a headache. You don't, please. Not, not financially. I, I think mm. they gained more leverage than they've ever had against John Jones. They've never gained leverage on John Jones. John Jones, the fact that he's demanding more money now means that he doesn't recognize he's the problem. No, but now, no family, no nothing. Got kicked out of his gym. He's training with Cejudo. I, I promise you, John, John's delusional. John, he is. But the only thing he got left right now is fighting. And you don't sign a one-fight deal with John. That's, that's your question. What if he wants to redo this after a one-fight deal? You sign John to a three-fight deal, four-fight deal, and you pay him a good amount of money. But I don't know if you give him Izzy money. I, I don't know how you... I don't, I don't like it. I don't like rewarding people for bad behavior. No, but they're... At this point they have the upper hand on him and you don't know when you're going to do that. So in business sense, I think they take advantage of this um, and lowball John Jones, whatever, not like incredibly, I, just if but he, compared if he, to what he wanted, you're If he doesn't accept it, then that's fine. Then you go and do nothing. <laughs> I'm just saying, right. Like, here's, what else does he have? Here's the scenario. John Jones versus Steve Miocic, international fight week, July for the interim heavyweight title. I'm assuming that's how it goes. That's the plan, right? Yeah. If for whatever reason John doesn't accept the money, you know who they're going to go with. Taito Ivasa. Yeah. Like 100%. Perfectly fine with him. And I think 
I bring this all back because John's lack of accountability for his actions will cost him this opportunity because I don't think the, I think the UFC thinks they have leverage. John still believes he's the best fighter in the world. He should get paid for it. He also knows kind of what he's worth. He's a little delusional in that because he knows he's the best fighter in the world. Yeah. He's not the best. He's not the biggest attraction in the UFC, but he wants to be. So he's going to look at a fight of him moving up to the heavyweight division saying, I'm going to generate X amount of dollars. Whether you believe it or not, this little controversy makes people want to see me more. Yep. So pay me. The UFC is going to have to say, ah, I don't know. Good luck. This John Jones has become, he, he's been this for the last several years, the biggest what-if story in, in MMA history now. Yeah, he surpassed what if Kane would have stayed healthy. Forget he surpassed, all like, yeah. everything. This man was, like, we always talk about MMA fighters blossoming in their 30s. He was champion 21. Yeah. It was dominating a division through his 20s. But if he stayed the course and never had condoms, car accidents, hiding under all this nonsense, popping for drug tests before 200, crashing into a tree. Like, yo, this man would easily be the greatest MMA fighter of all time. I don't, it's not even close. If he were to stay on the path and continue to win, we've never seen anything like John Jones. Still probably the greatest MMA fighter of all right, time. Right, but the controversy like, is with now, all of that. Yeah. The controversy now is the goodwill that, you know, somebody like a GSP has had because they fought. But if his career ended today, he's the greatest of all time. Somebody's going to argue that. Somebody will argue against We've him. never seen him get beat like GSP got beat. Oh, no. And I don't care, I, like, bad night, good night. Like, he has beat everyone in his path and most people twice. I Two agree. Two over Cormier is insane. I, I agree. I just know that the challenge with John Jones is you haven't really necessarily ended on a high note. Dominic Reyes, a lot of people thought beat you. Thiago Santos, you, you didn't look great against. Yes, you balled Alexander Gustin, but he's no longer here. Yeah. You didn't find Anthony Johnson. You should have went to heavyweight. Like, the gap between one and everybody else should be wide with yeah. John Jones. But now it's not because... Habib it, is the only person with the case. Because well, I think Habib's over GSP. That's... The issue is, all right, there's an undefeated record because then we say, is Floyd Mayweather the greatest boxer yeah. of all time? No. But who is? Is it Sugar Ray Robinson? Sugar Ray Robinson lost a lot. Yeah. GSP has lost. Yep. He, he's had a magnificent run, but he lost, right? Fedor had a monster Crazy. run through the heavyweight division. Yep. Khabib, it wasn't that, that, that he was winning. He just dominated, dominated. everybody that he fought. <laughs> I think he only lost two rounds ever. In his career. <laughs> career. Right? That's, it, that's insane. It, and you look Habib at these guys. has a chance. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of conversation that John could have quieted a long time ago. Like, there, he could have shut, like, if he was a two-division, he could have already been a two-division champion. Yeah. If he didn't do all this dumb stuff. I don't know where John Jones is going to fall when it comes to his place in MMA history when it's all said and done. Like, he is, for most of us that have watched John Jones fight, the greatest MMA fighter I've seen with my own two eyes. Yeah. But he is ruining himself every time he messes up because he's preventing the opportunity for people to watch him fight. I argue that's often the time, that's often what occurs with greatness. Mm. There, there are a few LeBron Jameses. Right? Like, I mean, dude, you're, you're clean from, from beginning not, to end. This is next level ignorance. There's Muhammad Ali. We well, talk about greatness. Sugar Ray Robinson was Michael Jordan was LeBron James. Feel how you want Barry Bonds, yeah, Gretzky, Gretzky Tiger Woods. Yeah. Like we talk about greatness, Serena, Tiger. Yeah, but the, what what John Jones has done? Like Tiger already had all those accolades. 
right? Yeah. I mean, John has all those outside of the heavyweight. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. John, his his level of nonsense far exceeds a lot of other people because if John almost everyone, <laughs> if John was an NFL player, he'd be out of here. Oh, hands down. If John was in the NBA doing this nonsense, he'd be out. He'd be out of here. I mean, we all know fighting sports are different beasts, right? Like Floyd. Hey, exactly. Floyd, Floyd, Floyd made a lot of money. Yes. After his uh, transgression. So, but the thing about Floyd, to be clear, transgressions with Floyd has never prevented him from fighting. Nine he, months. That, 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 that's that, what I'm month, saying. That nine months. He would have fought anyway. It was quick. He yeah. fought, but I'm, what I'm saying that he Sat never was down. in a spot where Floyd was getting ready to fight and he got popped. For yeah. a failed drug test, he got pulled off a car. Like, he's had incidents or alleged incidents, obviously domestic and all those things. Yeah. But they've never prevented him from getting in the... Like, all of John's transgressions have had seen him get suspended, stripped. He's robbed him of four years of a career. He's And he's done it to himself. I don't know. I don't, dog, I don't know. Greatest MMA fighter, but he's the biggest what-if story I've probably ever seen in combat sports. <sighs> yeah, that's tough. Some Again... If he continued on this path and never got right, like he probably, we saw the points where John Jones were was about to get caught and take that out. Yeah. So his time away may have helped him more than anything. Like he yeah. has to come back and be focused. He has to. I he has to come know, back and, and be that guy and just. I, he doesn't seem to see that everything in his life is a vice. No. He was like, oh, I the first time blame it on the weed. No accountability. Man, at this point, 70% of the country smoke weed. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Well, they, Ain't the weed's fault. Yeah. You do the cocaine. The cocaine doesn't do you. Do you? Yeah. And I mean, if he's off the coke, maybe. Sure. But the alcohol is still there. Everything's still there. And he's like, oh, that's legal. Yes. But not in the excess that you're drinking it and wilding out. So now he, he tweets that thing out like, well, my wife left, left me. I hope you guys are happy. No, John, nobody's who? happy, you idiot. No. Nobody's, nobody's happy. We would have been happy if, if your wife never had to go to the security desk for whatever reason. It's a goof. Man. Like, it's, it's so weird to be in an era where, you know, we're really focused on taking care of women. That's a vast majority, right? Like, we recognize women have been done so wrong for so long. We're trying to change that narrative, give women a voice to speak up. I just finished the Cosby documentary, which was an incredible documentary. Um, horrible human being. Incredible documentary. Like we, We're giving these women and empowering women, which is long overdue. And then you still have guys like this, where it's like, why do you think we're going to be sympathetic to you? There's, you're not the victim here. That's his problem. John Jones. She is beliefs. the victim in yeah. some way. Even if for any reason you're not a domestic abuser, your assholishness is causing her life to be messed up. You constantly get arrested. You leaving four years probably total of checks on the table has hurt your family. You would have had three different contracts by now. Yeah. Like you would have had no time to sit out. You, you would have been making way more than Adesanya money. But your stupidity has cost her, your family, everyone in the long run to the point of you're the bad guy. Yes. 
And he never wanted to be the bad guy. I think like episode three, we talked about heel John Jones. And yeah. just leaning into it. The greatest bad guys don't believe they're bad guys. The greatest bad guys in the history of like superheroes and comic books and TV shows feel like they're doing something right. The Homelander. And they're, yes, and they're completely delusional that they're destroying everything in their path. That is John Jones. The man knows he's the greatest MMA fighter to walk the planet. He knew it when he was 21 when he beat Shogun Hua. He knew it when he choked out Leota Machida. Yeah. He knew it. And then he became a character of himself. You know, he was this God-fearing guy for a long time. Super Christian. Yeah, walk around the lake with Ariel. Yeah, it was like, oh, look at me. But being delusional is part of being the heel. Because every bad guy forgets or doesn't care about the tragedies that they've left behind them. I don't know John Jones, and I don't know his family situation, but I don't believe he cares about his fiance like he says he does. And what I mean by that is I, I believe he, he loves he cares her, about anyone else besides he, himself. He loves himself more. And that destruction makes him the ultimate bad guy. And that's why we said back early in the show, embrace it, John. You're a dick. Yeah. Like, if you want to be, like, at least Connor knows he's a bad guy. At least you're self-aware. Because he's lacking awareness to insane levels. Right? Absolute idiot. So we'll, we'll see where this goes. I believe this still leads to him fighting on July 3rd. We'll see. We'll see. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's possible. That, I, I don't that press that. conference is going to be fun. Well, it's, it's the wrong opponent. If it wasn't Stipe, let's just say it was Derek Lewis. Oh, you know Derek. You know Derek. Nothing's going to no. be, like, there will be nothing off limits. Like, I would, if I was fighting John Jones and talk about, like, Matt, like, I know they're not in the same weight class. Let's just say Conor McGregor and John Jones were booked for a fight. John Jones hasn't had an opponent, aside from D.C., who's not really a trash talker, yep. that can get into John's head. I would love to see an opponent, and it, people would be like, oh, that's low. I don't care. No, D.C. didn't care. That promo now, and I still think Conor Aldo is the best promo, UFC promo ever. Yes. But the John Jones-D.C. rematch promo is so incredible. The one with the fireplace and shit? Yeah. It's because Daniel Cormier said he's going to mess up again. Yes. He can't help himself. He's right. That's the truest shit ever spoke. Yeah. And people are like, no. And they used it in a promo. Yes. Because they thought John Jones was going to be better. No, he's never going to be better. And that shit's the truth to this day. So, man, it's a vicious cycle for John Jones. I don't believe he's going to kick that anytime soon. Um, let's take our break right now. When we come back, we got to talk to Bobby Green, though. He has a huge fight coming up. We're going to talk to him stepping in on late notice and then get into the rest of recapping the world that was combat sports before finishing with uh, Baron Brown talking about pro wrestling. So this is a fun show. Thank you guys for being along for the ride. We'll be right back after this. All right, everybody. We promised you a guest. This guest specifically had to reach out, handpick guests. This guy is, talk about UFC building stars and making stars out of people who are deserving. Our guest, Bobby Green, has taken off recently, but he's been around for so many years. Like He's been the same person for so many years, but it's amazing to see him getting his just due. Just fought a couple weeks ago. Amazing fight. This guy's all action all the time. 
and now jumping in on short notice. Like it's nothing to fight this weekend. Bobby, man, we appreciate you taking time out of already a condensed schedule and shortened week before you fight um, Islam Makachev this weekend to chop it up with us, man. First and foremost, how are you feeling on short notice coming into this fight? Uh, interesting, interesting. I feel a lot of emotions. I feel rushed. I feel uh, a whole bunch, you know, but I feel blessed. I feel excited. I feel mistreated. I feel, uh, I feel a lot, bro. I really, I'm gonna keep on with you. I feel like, like people catching on to me now. Like, I'm like, I was already thinking about maybe setting this shit down. Like, hey, maybe I should just go ahead and retire now. It's like, now everybody's here. I'm like, this is 42 fights later and everybody's here now. And I got to keep this shit, keep the same energy, you know? Yo, you, you said the word mistreated. Can you kind of elaborate that on a little bit? Because as my coach just mentioned, you've been doing this for a long time. Your strike has been on point for a long time. You've given people hell for a long time. Nobody's ever had an easy out with you. Win or lose, they've had a hard time. When you say mistreated, what does that mean, though? Mistreated. Um, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I haven't maybe I used, used the wrong word, but uh, maybe I'm getting, because I feel like I'm getting thrown into places, you know, and I made these opportunities happen for myself. You know, Nobody built me, okay? I had to build this myself. I've been doing this myself with my coaches and working this out the whole time. Nobody was like behind us then posting us and, and pushing us. There was no machine behind this. This is raw. This is just me and, and my people and, and me staying consistent to myself and what, who I am and what I do. So with that, you we've seen other people and records be damned, right? Records throw out the window. When you catch fire, you catch fire. We've seen Jorge Masvidal go from a record. He has more losses than you. We've seen him go and become a pay-per-view guy. He's headlining next month. And that was after 30 fights. We see the Diaz brothers, regardless, after years, fighting since like 06, become pay-per-view stars. Do you, you talked about almost setting it down. Do you think like, yo, this is a whole new life. Like I can go out and I can be a really big deal. Like this is owed to me. Do you feel like this is your, your second life in MMA right now? Do I feel like this is my second life? Yes. I see what you, you're saying. Kind of like, like, uh, or Hey, had it, Nate had it, you know, and it seems like I'm getting the same, uh, accolades or, or same people coming out all of a sudden. But the, this is the thing is like, it's your second life. You're saying you don't get to go past the first. It ain't like you're reborn. Um, you still have all those battles that you experienced, all those experiences, I'm kind of tired of it, you know, bro, but I have to now rekindle myself, you know, find myself again and, and put this new uh, uh, life back together, you know, because at the end of the day, it's about taking care of your family, you know, and I'm really close to taking care of my family. And I was like, yeah, I can be done with the game. You know, like I felt like people weren't gravitating towards me. They weren't feeling what I was doing. And now it's here. So I got to kick it back to this, what you would call second life. And now make this second life like, like it's my first. But really, I had 42 fights. That takes a lot off your fucking life, brother. You know, and so 
Now it's about staying relevant in this new new life. Would you have taken a fight on this short notice three years ago? Did it even matter who the opponent was? Or was something different about this particular opportunity that you were like, raise my hand, I'm doing this, let me in? No, no, not at all. Um, if you look at back at my career, I'm going to keep it honest with you. I took a fight on 24 hours notice. I took fights on a week notice, three days notice. Um, I fought three people in one night sometimes. I'm just a real live gangster when it comes to this fight shit. You know what I mean? I don't bang. I don't do none of that shit. But I am a gangster when it comes to this MMA shit. I really put it down. I really step up. I really uh, move shit and shake shit. I made this shit happen. Didn't nobody come in here and make me no star. I made myself this. With that being said, now you have this opportunity. You're headlining a fight. All of these opportunities are, are coming to you. You get to do interviews. You get to be all around. Does it seem disingenuous? Does it feel like, yo, this is all fake because y'all ain't love me during the grind. Y'all just love me now. <laughs> Man, y'all said some real ass shit. This has been the best interview I had so far. Y'all said some real ass shit. I kind of do feel like that, you know? I'm going to keep it 100 with you, like, I was sitting next to some people, you know, I've been at the fight shows a few times, you know, and I see this person, I see that person and they're kind of like, who's that guy? Because why? Well, I'll take these stupid spice off my face and I'll just have to be like a regular dude. And, uh, next, you know, I see that same person. And now he wants a picture. He's calling my phone all the time. He's had my number all this time, but all of a sudden he's calling me all like, like his, like he needs and misses me or something. I'm like, bro, you know, you have my number for like six years, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, to me, it do feel kind of a little bit ingenuous, you know, but at the same time, you're getting love and, and all you can do is, is, is appreciate the love. Like, I appreciate everybody that is stepping up and, and is getting behind me. I, I am thankful for everything I get. You know, I'm, I'm a God fearing man. And so I'm thankful, first of all, but it does feel a little weird. It is a little weird how people are acting. I mean, so that means. If you beat Islam, who a lot of people have already pegged as the next title guy, you win this fight. You Imagine right now you're getting all this attention. The attention is going to be through the roof. But how do you stay composed through all that? Because as black folks, we have a little bit of paranoia of who's been down with us since day one versus who's just jumped on the bandwagon. So how do you keep it composed with you, yourself, your family moving forward, especially if you get this win? Because now people are going to say Bobby Green should be in the title hunt. First of all, I love that we got this whole black audience. This shit's dope. <laughs> I haven't seen two, two niggas out here doing this shit like y'all. That's dope, man. I really, not really many appreciate of us, y'all. Nah, ain't, ain't too many yeah. of us. That's why we I'm here, saying, brother. I'm loving, loving this shit, you know? I love my people. And so uh, with that all being said, like with the hype and everything else, I just try to stay humble, you know, and know what's important. But know what's important for you in your life. What are you doing and what are you pushing? For me, when I got in this game, it, it stayed the same. It's pay these, pay my, pay for my family, take care of my family, stay true to who I was, you know, keep it, be one of the realest that came in here, be unique. And those are really it and inspire people. That's it. Those are all the things I do. And I'm going to keep doing until I, until I, until I close the casket on this bitch. With this being said, you're headlining. As Fat Joe says, yesterday's price ain't today's price. Do the dollars got to make sense? Do you now? Do you got to go back to the table and be like, "Yo, people are talking about me fighting for this BMF title. People are, are looking at me like I'm the draw." 
Because let's be real. This was just another fight night. Islam is great in the cage. It's another fight night. You're bringing a lot of the entertainment. You're bringing the eyes to this. Do you have to go to them and be like, yo, listen, yesterday's price ain't today's price. It might be time to, you know, re redo this, redo this deal right now. Be honest, this is my last fight on my contract. So uh, <laughs> time to cash out. Shall see. <laughs> shall see. Listen, I see you. Know, you I um, see you dripped up right now. Look at the gold. Look at the rings. It's it's looking good. It looks like it's the last fight on your deal. This is my second set. I actually lost 50 G's in jewelry. A crackhead broke in my car and stole like 50 G's in my jewelry. So oh. this is my second set, bro. Uh, I work hard. 42 fights. I bust my butt to get what everything I got, brother. And everything's paid for. You know, I just got to pay for my second house. And that's really it. I already paid money to my third house for, for my other baby mom. I got three baby moms, by the way. One black, one white. One Mexican. And so <laughs> I got three kids in three different places, trying to be a great father, trying to be break records. Like I broke the, the most striking landed. I'm trying to break the record for the most amount of fights in a year. And, and it's all so stressful. All these different things that are, are pulling on you. You know, if you want to be at the highest level doing the highest things, but yet you want to be the, the best father over here. And then you're trying to be the best friend over here. And then you're trying to be the best man, boyfriend, or husband over here. It's a lot. It's a lot. It sounds like a lot of weight. And I think when you when you won your last fight, it kind of came out in your post-fight interview. And a lot of people posted that on social media, how inspiring it was, how you spoke in the octagon. That rush of emotions, man, I mean, is it kind of a release after you have a big fight like that in a big moment where you just can kind of let it all out? And, and people genuinely gravitate to Bobby Green because they feel like he's real. There ain't a lot of real people out here in this fight game. There's a lot of people that get real calculated on that mic and they try to call out something and they say something real stupid that doesn't feel realistic, but with you, it felt all genuine. Is that the Bobby Green brand is keeping it real? Damn, bingo. You know, they're right on the, on, on the uh, target. It's just being genuine, being myself, you know. Um, the things that I say on the mic, I don't be knowing what I'm going to say. You know, I don't know it's going to come out this mouth. It just be kind of like the whole week was kind of happening, what was going on. Um, at that time, we had the whole Joe Rogan stuff where he was dealing with the racist stuff. And I met Joe a long time ago. Joe came before he was who he is now. He came out of his comedy show and smoked a blunt with me and was chilling. He wasn't acting, he wasn't no racist dude, you know what I'm saying? And this is before I was anybody, you know what I mean? He just came in, oh yeah, Bobby Green, oh yeah, what's up? And, and, and got to meet me. So sometimes, I, like, it's still the same thing, though. It's still pressing for uh, motivation. That's what it was at the end of the day, when you saw the 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 after speech, you know, it's, it's motivating the people, you know? It's getting people out of their out of their feet, getting them to feel something different, getting them to just react differently. I'm just me, bro. That's all I can say. You motivate so many other people. Who motivates you? I, you know, kids aside, because we're all motivated by, you know, providing for our kids and, and their future. Is there someone who motivates you? Because a lot of people are taking your words as, as motivational. But is there someone in your life, a coach, you know, a family member or someone that everybody don't got good days? Every day ain't amazing, right? Like, when you're down, who who motivates you? Man, and, and that's where I keep it real, too. Like, you check my social media, you'll see me be down, too. You know, I try to keep it real with my 
uh, friends or fans or whatever you want to call it, you know, um, who motivates me. My coach is one of them that keeps my mental, you know, my mental capabilities, you know, with all these things that are happening to me, keeping me on the, on the focus and keeping me on the path. Um, who motivates me? Uh, it would probably be somebody I follow. Like, like, do you know who Gillard Kid is? Yeah. Yes. Okay, his cousin, Wallow. You know Wallow? Yes. I fuck with Wallow. I follow Wallow. Wallow's always, get your ass up. You know, he's just full of motivation <laughs> every morning. He, I watch it or something, I go, man, I want to be like that guy, you know, to go from being 20 years in prison to coming back and, and making millions of dollars and trying to change people's lives. I'm like, me and you on the same page, Wallow. We trying to change people's lives. We've been in the dirt. You know, we've been... I've been nothing. I've been looked at as nothing a lot of times. And now to have a little bit of a platform, I'm going to use this stuff to inspire somebody. Man, that's, that's I kind of want a Gilly the Kid entrance now. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is the UFC doing? Like, I feel like we can put this in a budget. Like, whenever you're on the pay-per-view next, come on, man. They, yeah, no, they're going to got you. There's money out there to make this happen. <laughs> so, so, Bobby, um, before we let you go, because it is Black History Month, we talked about, you know, black people in MMA. How how does it feel now? Because you talk about Wallow, you talk about yourself being motivated, but now you are kind of in a position where there's like Jamal Hill just fought last week, had a big knockout. You do your thing. Yo, black folk, you got Kamar Usman, Francis Ngannou. It feels like black people just kind of taking over this sport. Am I wrong in this assessment? Is it just, I mean, we kind of take over a lot of things, but it seems like MMA is next. This is our world. So side note, side note, before you go, before I answer your question, uh, Jamal Hill, me and Jamal got into it. Oh, what? Me and Jamal got into it because one of his fights he lost and his brother came and got at me and said some shit to me. And so I put a post out and I was like, some black guy came up to me and was like kind of disrespectful. He didn't even know who I was. Like, be careful who you talk to, you know? And so Jamal came back and called me an Uncle Tom, you know, <laughs> an Uncle Tom, like, I don't fuck with my people. You know, wow. I'm one of the realest to do this shit. And, and me and Jamal solid now, we didn't chopped it up on the phone and made whatever else, you know, happen. But it was so crazy for me for, for niggas to look at me like, I don't fuck with my people, you know, it's been black history month. And it's been a great month for me, you know, to, to present out to, to the, to the world who we are, you know, and, and, and we keep growing and we keep growing and, and we just keep getting into more sports and we keep taking over them. You know, it's a matter of time before we take it over, you know? No, nah, man, we, we appreciate it. We love the energy on fight week. Yeah. Couldn't tell me you were fighting on short notice, man. It's going to be amazing. Can't wait for the main event. I, I'm, I'm personally happy. We get to see you for five rounds. Because it's so many like three round battles. You picking people apart. You talking about breaking records and striking records. You doing it in three round fights. Everyone else has been having five rounders. So this is this is gonna be this is gonna be an amazing fight. We appreciate you. Nothing but luck to you this weekend. We'll be watching. Man, thank you so much. Nothing but the best to you and the fam, and nothing but brighter things in the future. Cause again, you, you never know when you're gonna be a star. But I know this is your time to be the star. And the UFC knows it. They're putting you in this position. And it's great to see them, you know, putting forth this this promotion and this effort to a to a black man who's been working his ass off for so long and really deserves it, man. So we appreciate you. Yeah, I'm really thankful, brother. I'm really thankful. And to be honest, I never heard of your podcast until now. I never heard of you guys until now. And I feel like an asshole. 
Like I didn't know I had brothers out here that was pushing the same stuff. And you guys got great questions and great energy. You know, um, if y'all could find me on Instagram, you know, shoot me a little something. I'll find y'all and, and we'll work this work so I can promote, you know, and watch what y'all doing over there. You know, I like to really fuck with people. Indeed. Nah, man, we appreciate it. Great shit, though. We'll link Thank up. You. Thanks, man. Thanks. We appreciate it. I Can't wait to watch the fire in the background. Of y'all. Yeah, yo, look, smart, huh? Who added the fire in the background? Yeah, producers in the back. What up? My boy Cole, Antoine. They got us looking right. Yeah, you know man. what? They they try to take care it of it. It was dope, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's just dope. Yeah, yeah. They try to take care of us in here. <laughs> nah, we appreciate you, man. Best of luck. Get this weight cut down. Um, can't wait to see the fight on Saturday. Yeah, we'll talk soon, man. We we definitely got to catch up, brother. You be good. Later. Appreciate you guys. All right, we are back. Bobby Green was amazing. Yeah, Bobby Green was oh, nice to chop it up, man. Yeah, it's good. And, you know, obviously, it's, it's a story about him and Jamal Hill having their little beef. Interestingly <laughs> enough, and, you know, real quick to recap, Jamal Hill just absolutely decimated uh, Johnny Walker. Oh, insane. What? And you know what this means? New streak, baby. Got to start it up again. Fire it up. Fire New it streak. Up. We'll see if, if Bobby Green can get past Islam Makhchev. That's a hell of a task. And we got the juice. We got the juice then. It's a hell of a task. I mean, look, man, Makhchev has been pegged, like I told Bobby, as the next champion. Yep. He comes from that school of wrestlers who just grind you out. His only loss has been getting caught in a triangle. Yeah, and Bobby Green catches you in no triangle, so hopefully Bobby <laughs> can uh, piece him up. I mean, it's a, it's a tough fight. We'll see what happens. It's a uh, tough fight on full preparation. Yeah, yeah. Let alone 10 days. Yeah, and for those who are listening, we'll talk about UFC 272 next week, Masvidal versus Covington, our favorite fight of the year, not. Um, I'm really looking forward to this fight. Dar, I, I don't know what's going to be Mag like Olympics. Me, me being on site. I'm going to be on site, too. I decided to cover that fight. I'm just saying, like, if Masvidal sees me and I see him, I don't know, man. Y'all might get a co-main event before the main event. Oh, my God. I got to see how much time I got on my hands before we come into this next week. But the MAGA Powers Explode t-shirt. Oh, God. With those two on it. They got to have the handshake. Oh, it's just printed mm. money. And Trump-like. <laughs> printed money <laughs> with that t-shirt. Um, no, I can't wait for that fight. Yeah. That's going to be <laughs> incredible. But we had the card this past weekend. Like you said, Jamal Hill, Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker's done. Yeah, no, He was a guy who was pegged as the next big thing in like heavyweight division. And now he got destroyed. By Jamal Hill with one punch. The chin never recovers. No, nah, you just wonder, how how high is the, the ceiling for Jamal Hill now? He's got hands. Like heavyweight division is not a bunch. I mean, outside of like Yuri, who's yep. an incredible striker. There isn't a ton of grapplers he's got to worry about in that division. <gasps> I mean, he has a puncher's chance against everyone. Yes, clearly. And he's another one of those guys. It's, it's much like, I mean, he's not to the degree that Connor was, right? But he's like one of these guys where you look at him. You'd be like, it's not a muscular frame. Nah. Like, nothing looks imposing about him. But that, like, lankiness and, like, awkwardness and just quick twitch because you don't have a ton of muscles, like, the fluidity that comes with that allows him to beat all of these guys to the punch. Yeah. Nah, he's he's a problem. Uh, Jamal Hill's a problem. You know who else is, who's a problem to himself and needs to retire? Amir Khan. Oh, Amir Khan is a problem. Um. Time. It's done for Khan. It's time. It's cool. 
It's done for him. You've had a career. Yeah. This was the last cash grab. I'm scared. And if you guys didn't watch the fight, Kel Brook stopped Mir Khan sixth round. I'm scared for Kel Brook. I'm not. I'm not scared for Kel Brook at all. They're going to feed him to somebody. Of course they are. But it's a paycheck. So Kel yeah. Brook's going to fight Boots versus Ortiz. Oh, no. I think he goes Connor Ben next. Connor Ben. <coughs> I mean, it's a big fight. Huge in the UK. Whatever it is, Kel Brook's getting another check. Kel Brook, look, for all intents and purposes, Kel Brook is not, he got wrecked by Errol Spence, Triple G. That's okay. That's not bad. It's like, that's okay. You fought Triple G at a weight class you shouldn't have been in, and you got your orbital bone broken. Errol Spence is the king of the welterweight division. He broke yeah. your orbital bone also. But outside of that... With reinforced eyes. Oh, and then Bud. Yeah. Well... Just beat the break. Yeah, but it's like... So, like, at, at that point, losses. yeah, and then you finally got over the hump. You beat the man that you've been chasing for, like, 16 years, yep. and you thumped him. I don't care. Like, for him, everything else is a cherry on top. House money. Yeah, you playing, like, dude, it was either him or you. Loser that fight was going to ha- probably have to retire. Kel probably would have been more stubborn because I didn't see Kel Brook getting knocked out in any scenario. But I knew Amir Khan, if he was going to lose, he was going to get stopped. Yeah. And Kel Brook stopped him. Well, I thought one of them, I didn't see this going to distance oh, at all. Somebody too much bad blood. But it's over for Amir Khan. It is over. Yeah, I, he'll go and he'll promote. Yeah, do something. He, there's other things. I, I mean, he hinted as much after the fight, but I don't think his heart was necessarily in it. He just saw the paycheck. Dude, he's trying to convince himself that he could still fight. Yeah. So he, he's done for. It, it was over before he stepped in the ring. Uh, before we talk to Baron Black, I want to talk about Elimination Chamber. Oh, you really want to? Yeah. And I want to start at the top. Man. Uh, because. This is going to be ugly. I, I want to be up front. I really am enjoying Brock Lesnar babyface. Lumberjack Lesnar. Incredible. It, I think it's fantastic. I think him and Roman Reigns headlining WrestleMania is the obviously the match to make. I kind of want Roman to go over and get more heat. Yeah, he probably will. So, but a lot of times, like the baby face goes over at Mania yeah. and like it's Brock's baby face. But to really get, because not that his heat was waning, but if you want to put that heat back on him, oh, Roman like, goes over everyone. So, Cody and Brock. I want to preface it that because I love Roman versus Brock. I, I hated that they were doing that day one. I said that. I was like, yeah. it's too soon. This is a WrestleMania match. Just yeah. do it. But. I've, I'm hating how we're getting there in terms of he beats Ia day one, loses the title lastly at Royal Rumble, jumps in the Royal Rumble, wins the Royal Rumble. Then he wins Elimination Chamber to be a champ again. Do we need to do all this to get to this match? Probably not. But I like it being champ versus champ. I don't. I don't. I love it. I'm going to tell you why. Because it means nothing. It means everything. in the And when you look back five years from now. Oh, nobody cares. Honestly, you look back five years from now, people are going to be like, yo, they did E so wrong. Like, no, no one's going to say that. They're going to say WrestleMania, title versus title, headlining Sunday night. It's going to feel grand because of that. Daniel Bryan holding up both belts during the WrestleMania felt grand. Did they need both? Probably not. Yes, they did. But they already unified the titles. Also, the champions unified. So here's here's my issue with this. Becky beat Ronda. Nobody cares that that match was, that was for two titles. You want to know why? Becky two belts. Because it didn't matter after she won the title. There is nothing that says, all right, we're unifying the titles. If they said the winner of this match would appear on both shows as the champion, as the one unified champion, then I'd be cool with it. But that's not what WWE does. No, Reigns would lose it to someone. He'll vacate it. No, 
He got to. He, he ain't come gonna up get pinned. He's not. If he beats Brock Lesnar, he's not getting pinned. Well, so the point is, is like, why are we doing this? If I think Lesnar might beat him at Backlash, but then who beats Lesnar? I mean, at that point, I don't. Know. I mean, uh, so my whole point is the way that we got here, especially with the Chamber, where Brock just destroys everybody. Like, why do I watch one Monday Night Raw? What's yeah. the point? He went full Shayna Baszler. Yo, you already like Seth Rollins has beat you. Yeah. And then you, he's the first one out. <laughs> Not really. Like in seconds, yeah. AJ Riddle just ran him over. Fortunately, some people are going to go, well, they protected Bobby Lassie. No, Bobby Lassie's injury protected hey, Bobby. Because he was going to get nerfed too. Yeah. But what does that do in terms of like long-term booking? Unless, look, I get it. If you're going to say Roman is the king of kings, he's going to hold all these belts. He's going to keep them until next year where the ultimate plan is to have the rock come back. The rock. Better not beat him. No, he probably beats The Rock, too. All right, they, good. The problem is, how do you build new stars when you do shit like this? It's tough. That's tough. It's almost impossible. It's almost impossible. But the argument always, and I'm not letting it play out, right? Like, they're probably going to do some stupid shit. But the argument is always, whoever ends up beating him is made, which is why we all thought he was going to cash in and beat him and be a made man, right? And you have your next made man, and at least you got someone new in there. Um, eventually, Seth will probably end up beating him. He's already been made. That doesn't make anybody. Exactly, which is how they're going to mess it up. So you're asking me what happens. I think Seth eventually ends up beating him for one of the titles. And then they probably turn Seth babyface and ruin everything. No, they're already on that path. Yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. Atrocious. It, it's, it's uh, again, I love this match. Some people said, well, you need this match for WrestleMania to sell tickets. Yep. Tickets are already sold. Tickets sold. Tickets sell every year. People, like, people go to WrestleMania because of WrestleMania. There, yeah. I guarantee you that there is not more than five people that sat at home was like, oh, it's title for title? I'm going now. No. That's not what's happening because titles are arbitrary. You just do that to steal headlines. Hence, we have Logan Paul. We have uh, Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, you're, you're, like, you're, you want to permeate the mainstream media, that night, right? That's but crazy. this match being title for title doesn't do anything to add extra juice and like, I'm going to buy a ticket now. It doesn't no. do that. It just gives you the aesthetic. Yeah, that's all it is. It's the look. So now, clearly, Lesnar versus Reigns headlines night two. Who headlines night one? You mean Ronda headlines night one. Why? Why? Because she's Ronda Rousey. I know. Because you want the mainstream appeal and you want I know. her. And she's going to win. Yo. And she's going to stand there with, with a belt and we'll post it on Sports Center And we'll post it everywhere else. ESPN MMA. And we have... 30 million followers, and that's all they want. And which I understand from, I understand what the WWE is doing. Yeah. But I watched that tag match. It's Ronda not ain't great. Look good. It ain't great. And it's like, you're going to have her and Charlotte headline. This is like an arbitrary match because nobody even understands why these two are yep. wrestling each other. But you know, Charlotte will get a better match out of her than Becky. Oh, of course. That, it makes no sense storyline wise. No. Becky would be the chance, the way yeah. to go. But Charlotte will pull a better match out of her because Charlotte's a better wrestler. I, I hate it all because now I see people backtracking now to the women's elimination chamber, which was pretty good. Not bad. Better and, than the men's. Yeah. And Bianca wins, which yep. we all expected. And I've seen people say, well, this was long-term booking. I don't think so. I think, personally, that if, if Ronda and Becky were going to have that match, Bianca would have got pushed to the side. Yeah. But... Still thing, time. It's very clear, to me at least, that Becky is the queen of this division. She's the most unique. She is the best thing that they have. And that's even better than Sasha. No, she's yes. not better. Yes. Sure. Because Bianca is 
unlike anybody they have on that roster right now. In terms of look, talent, skill, power, promos, she's completely different. Yep. What she did to do drop on Raw, incredible. It's just more of a feat of strength. I feel right? bad for Dewdrop I do getting the, the big show. I role. actually called her Dewdrop. That's how I feel. Yeah. She's Piper Nevin. Uh, but, but Piper, listen, the check better be good, Piper. I'm happy you get your money. You're on TV every week. Piper can wrestle. She can. Piper, but she's getting the big show treatment. Yeah. But she's better than Nia Jax in that spot. I didn't give her that. But Bianca, forget Charlotte. I get it. There's a lineage there. Becky, great character. But Bianca's, Bianca should be headlining WrestleMania. Like, Bianca's the future of the women's division. I, yeah, I agree. I'd argue she has more time. I mean, she does. Like, like don't get me wrong. I think if, there's, if they botch this, which they almost did with SummerSlam, like, it's totally plausible that they could. But Bianca is... Should run it back. Bianca should be working Charlotte. Yeah. Bianca should be beating Ronda Rousey. She should be. Maybe down the line. I could see both. She could also lose. I'm not saying that she needs to beat everybody. Yeah. But Bianca should be in those programs. She's, she's that good. Like, watching that Elimination Chamber, I was like, yo, there's nobody else like her no. out here. And then to put her, at least, listen, they found a way by hook or by crook, by luck, they got her back into the position. Just do right this time. Yeah, just, just do it right. Yes. Just somehow you've worked your way Back to where you should have been all along. Don't fumble it. Don't and they could. Because Bailey could come back. Sasha's hanging around. They can make this a four-way. They won't. They won't. And ruin it. I don't think they will. Just, think, to, just to fit pieces in. Yeah, I, I think. I think hopefully, it's, hopefully not. I think at this point. There's still women's titles? Tag titles? Yeah, but nobody cares. Who has those? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, I, I would love for Bailey to come back and her and Sasha become tag champs again because they lost to their mania yeah. one time. I mean, right now, just give them something know, to do. Sasha's going to be relegated like backstage interview at this point. Like, she, I, she has no plan for WrestleMania. No, none at all. I mean, that'd be a good plan. And then maybe like the Bellas come back and you have like a pretty decent yeah, feud. I don't want that. Um, But I thought Elimination Chamber in a vacuum was a decent show. Uh. Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio thing. Like, I'm ready for this payoff. Well, thing. yeah, like, just please just turn Dominic heel. Like, I, Logan Paul being his, whatever. Um, I feel bad for War Machine and the Usos. It's like, you guys had to fly all the way out there for nothing. And then you just go home because they have the jump, getting jumped angle. Uh, it yeah, was, what is with that? I don't know. And then Goldberg, I told you it was going to go over. I counted. It went over. Just spent a lot of time <laughs> looking at each I counted. But, yo... As I watched Goldberg walk to the ring, I was like, yeah, he's done. He's, so, he's, he's done. Triller. They didn't even try to do the jackhammer. Triller just announced they bought Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. Of course they did. Of course. I mean, uh, you, went, you go from the triad to Bare Knuckle? Sure, whatever. But, uh, yeah. I, do I want to see Goldberg at WrestleMania? No. Do I, but I, I, I wanted to see him wrestle E, but now I, he can't even jackhammer Roman. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, dog, I'm good. The jackhammer at least isn't protected as it should be. Like, nah. it's not believable as move anymore. It's, I'm glad everyone kicks out of it. It's, it's totally over. Yeah, and then uh, we'll see what this Naomi thing pays off. Just give her a match. Yo, just give her a match. Can we? I don't look, want her on the pre-show. I don't want her on the pre-show either. Look, look you got match. a lot of spots for two nights of WrestleMania. Yeah, you have. You got their title match. You haven't figured out your Raw title match, which I figure at some point Owens is going to turn on Rollins and Rollins will go babyface, whatever. And Riddle, one of somebody's going to turn on somebody heading into okay. that match. 
SmackDown tag titles, Usos against, I don't know. Uh, e and them, they knew they don't have a program. There's a yeah. lot of room on this card. You got to feel too nice. It's just, I think we're going to run into the same thing with Wrestle Kingdom, where you're just putting Edge people in. Edge and AJ. Which what it seems like, yo. I, I love just putting people in, by the way. Like, if we, that's where we're at now, just throw people into good matches. I, I want to see good matches, but I will say, I, like, I said this at Royal Rumble. I said, it brings me great joy when I watch Edge do a promo. Oh, I just, just Edge in the chair. He's just, he's just great. But, yeah, the if he's camera, working AJ, close cut. that's great. Um, it's going to yeah, be one hell of a match. It'll be a great match. Uh, it looks like Finn is going against Damian Priest. Damian Priest. Which I thought... I don't know. Uh, why is he tag team with Tommaso Champion? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. I'm just, as we get close to WrestleMania, obviously we'll talk more about WrestleMania on this show, but it's like, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what it is. I don't know what I'm getting out of WrestleMania. No. Hence, if I go, it's only to cover it for work because I don't know what the card looks like. No, we, we know. It's like, I, it didn't need to be two nights. I know that much. No. But two nights, at least everybody, we, we don't have to have a battle royal. You might still get one. Oh, God. There's nobody else in the With Mad line. Cap Moss. Oh, did you see that the bump he took? Oh. Drew just spiked him on his head? Yeah. Good thing he's okay, but damn. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, no, nah, that's, that's wrestling. Let's talk about Terminus because that comes up this weekend. We're going to hit the break and come up, wrap up the show, talking to Baron Black, talking about his streak in AEW on the wrong side of a streak, but also talking about all the great work he does in Terminus and their upcoming show in Atlanta. So don't go anywhere. We're wrapping this thing all up with pro wrestling. Be back right after this. All right, everybody. We are back. Second guest of the show. We are here. With Mr. Owen 48, Baron Black. Oh. I mean, amazing wrestler. Oh, such a disrespectful. Horrible intro. losing streak. <laughs> but it's all right. It's all right. It, it's, it's cool. We we support you. Anyway, we love what uh, you know, the matchup coming up in Terminus. We're gonna talk about that in a second. We we love everybody on AEW, the roster, the diversity and everything. But man, you can't pick up a win. It's you know, it's it's tough. It's tough out here in these streets. Well, I'm gonna put it to you like this, man. You introduce you introduce me the wrong way. <laughs> it's Mister Emperor of AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation. That's what I need to be called. That's that's fair. It's, as soon as you get Mark, that first win, as soon as you get that first win, I'll change it up. I promise you. No, 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 no. Nobody has put in more work than me <laughs> on those two shows. Nobody has had more competitive matches than me on those two shows. Nobody has had any, you know what? I think it's for a fact. Nobody's has had more matches than me on those two particular shows. So I am correct when I say I am the emperor of AEW Dark. Period. See, that's, that's fair. But, but let's, be let, let, <laughs> let's talk about, before we talk about Terminus and your match coming up with Jay Lethal and your record itself, but this is a very broad question that I want you to zone in on. Given everything sure. that's happened in pro wrestling, right, over the past couple of years, we talk about diversity, we talk about everything else, your career as well, where you stand at in AEW, 
What does it mean to be a black professional wrestler in 2022, in your opinion? Oh, man, it means, uh, if I could sum it up in one word, it means uh, representation. Um, I think being an African-American wrestler in 2022 means that word representation. Because I see how seeing uh, successful black athletes outside of the two you know, most popular routes that you see black athletes take, which is the NBA and the NFL, um, I see the effect that it has on the youth, and I see the effect that it has on the kids. Um, and I'm just speaking from my experience. So if I have people that come to me and and they get excited uh, uh, when they see me wrestle, being the young kids, or I have you know cats around my age or a little bit younger, and you know they're getting reinvigorated into wrestling um, because they see someone like me on TV or out on an independent scene actually you know, wrestling and doing our thing and being pretty successful doing it. So. I think it sums up to one word representation and it really does matter and it really does make a difference. Definitely in our case. Let me follow it up with this because there have been white wrestlers who've had these records of Owen. Um, what do, how do I react when I see all the banter and crazy comments and um, I feel uh, I feel more energized when I see that because it lets me know that people are actually supporting me and actually uh, paying attention to what I am doing. And they actually see me as that representation figure, like I was saying previous. So it gives me more energy to continue to grind hard, work hard, and to see it through to, you know, the ultimate goal that I want to have. Um, and it is a little bit of pressure because, like I said, it's it's not that many African American pro wrestlers out there. So when there are some that you see consistently on major platforms like AEW, like I said, some people, uh, people in our community, they rally around those guys. They want to see those guys succeed. They want to see those guys win. They want to see those guys become successful and achieve great things. So they can, you know, live vicariously through us and, you know, see something, somebody that looks like them actually achieve something great. So it makes me work harder. You know what I mean? I, I, I like it, even though sometimes it can get a little bit out of control, <laughs> to put it lightly, but um, it makes me feel really good that, you know, I'm actually somebody they look up to as a representation of it. One last question before we start talking about everything else. Everything I just said, when you get that first win, because now the level of significance of you getting that first win is almost bigger than winning the world title in a lot of people's eyes. Do you, are you, is there an anticipation of release that is like, wow, I finally got the monkey off my back? Or is you kind of like enjoying this? Because the, the more that you post, the more people start going, we need Baron Black to win. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube once you get that W. So uh, do you want this thing to end sooner or later? And what do you expect to happen when you finally get that dub? Um, 
frequency like this. I definitely want the dub more than any damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like some great people have said in the past, it's not all about the destination. It's about the journey. So the journey to becoming, you know, to gaining this first win, it can be enjoyable. It's whatever you make of it. But I'd be damned if I ain't trying to win every time I step in that ring. So I don't <laughs> want y'all to get that twist. <laughs> I'll enjoy the journey until I finally get over the hump. I, I will definitely say that. I mean, listen, a lot of your work right now is being done on AW Dark. You've mentioned the emperor of AW Dark and Dark Elevation. It's refreshing to see that you have this mindset towards it because talking about banter and online and, and how people respond to things, they take it out as a slight that so many minorities, so many black professional wrestlers are relegated to AW Dark and to elevation, but you're embracing that. What is it like in your perspective to have 48 matches on this platform where other people are kind of like complaining and clamoring, like, why aren't they on Rampage? Why aren't they on, you know, Wednesdays? But you're embracing your position there. Um, it, it's kind of two aspects to it. The first aspect is you know, I got taught at a very early age, you know, you know, whatever card you get dealt, you know what I mean? And I grew up in a house where a bunch of spade players, whatever hand you get dealt, make that shit work. <laughs> <laughs> whatever hand you get dealt, make that shit work. We better make board or we better make our books. You better make the shit work. So I got handed, a, a, I got, I got dealt a, a hand um, that some people think is not, you know, as, you know, pleasing to them, but I'm going to play this hand. I'm going to make the shit work. It's just, it's just that simple. And also on the, on the second respect of it, the second aspect of it, uh, I, I don't really view AEW dark and AEW dark elevation as an lower tier or lower quality product and, you know, dynamite or rampage. We have seen storylines be told from Dynamite to Rampage, AW Dark, so and so forth. I mean, we've seen stuff like that play out on Dark before, uh, especially when you got people, uh, the legendary Tony Schiavone, Paul White, Mark Henry, Excalibur Taz as your commentators for those shows. So I really don't see that as like a downfall, I mean, a, or, or, or downgrade, because those are legendary figures in pro wrestling that are commentating my matches. Something I would have never, ever thought would be possible when I first started training to become a pro wrestler. So I don't really see it as, you know, as the downgrade as the majority on social media see it as. Especially when, if you actually watch AEW Dark, AEW Dark Elevation, there are some banging matches that people are missing out because some people do not watch most notably the match is Baron Black. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's pivot because Terminus is coming up this weekend. And, yo, the first show gained a ton of traction. Like, as soon as it was announced, people were like, this is different. This is unique. And now we're heading into the second Terminus. And now it feels like you guys have built a base. Can you talk about your role in Terminus and how this all came together with you being a part of this uh, company? Well, this promotion, this indie promotion. Yep. 
And what it means, I've, you know, heading into a second show to see so many people have jumped on board this quick. We see other indie promotions that don't get this much traction in this amount of time, but you guys have done something different. Uh, it's kind of mind-boggling, to be, to be honest with you. Uh, when me and uh, my best friend, John Gresham, put together, finally decided to do it because it's been a plan of ours for years. A lot of people don't know me and John Gresham grew up. We came up together training at a facility in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so he was always close friends and became really close friends uh, through our journey of training and being on the road together early in our careers. Obviously, our career paths to two different routes, but um, obviously we remain friends. We're both here from Atlanta. We wanted to see wrestling thrive again in Atlanta, Georgia, and we had this idea of terminus. Like when I said terminus was years in the making, you probably heard that soundbite before. It, it was it was literal. Like for over the past ten years, we have been talking about one day we're going to run a show, one day we're going to make it uh, make the show big, and it's going to be amazing and. Everything fell together for us to run Terminus One, and the reception was. I was taken back for the reception. It, it really shows how much uh, attention and respect myself and John Gresham has when it comes to pro wrestling and the industry as a whole. And the success of the first show was was just. I was just blown away by it, and uh, I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know what uh, what really transpired for it to become that big so quickly, except that, you know, people know our names, people know we have a good reputation, so they put, you know, their faith and our trust in us that we deliver a great product for them. Um, so that's, that's the only thing I could think of why it came out. So, you know, got so much buzz and so much attention just with the first two shows. With that being said, first... What was the second part? Oh, no, you're, you're good. The first show was such a success, right? We're, we're talking about that. got everyone clamoring. How hard is it to put together a second show then? Because now you have a wave of people who want to be a part of it. Now you want... Now this person wants a match. This person wants to wrestle this person. People think this is a dream match. You're going against Jay Lethal. There's different things, and it's kind of like now you have all of these options. The first one, we, we've had a couple live shows, and it's not even on your level. But the first one's always like, man, we hope we can pull this off. We're trying to, like, pull people in, like, oh, man, we just want to pull it off. And then it becomes a success, and now everyone wants to be a part of it. How hard is it being on that end of things now when you're like, man, we got to put together all of these matches? And sometimes some people can't even fit into this. Well, that's something that uh, we we knew we'll be a part of it because um, that's just part of becoming a promoter and running the promotion. Like, you can't literally put everybody on every show and have a 35-match card. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, not, it's just not something you can do. So the only thing you really do is try to tell engaging stories, you know, over a period of time with, you know, whichever talent you want to use to tell those stories. Uh, and then develop new stories as the you know the other old stories comes to a close. So it, it's it's been a little bit difficult. We had you know you have people that obviously inquire about 
working for Terminus and stuff, and then gotta gotta let them know, like, hey, um, you know, coming up maybe so, but right now we have working on you know these stories right here. So it's like it's 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 a it's a learning curve to adjust to from going from wrestler mode to promoter mode. So it's this. I see what promoters go. A <laughs> uh, couple more for you. And one, I think the when we first saw the Terminus announcement and that you and Gresham were behind it, there were some people that thought, oh, this is going to be a new black wrestling promotion. But I think more importantly is, is that a pro wrestling promotion that's ran by two African-Americans, which bears a whole different level of significance. Can you can you explain that? Because it seems like that's the direction that you want you guys wanted to go in. Because some people immediately thought, oh, this is a black a promotion just for black pro wrestlers, but it's just a pro wrestling promotion with two black guys sitting on top of it. Uh yeah, like it, it was it was kind of odd that uh people just went straight to that. And I think that had to really do with what was happening in wrestling and the current events at the point in time when Terminus announced. You know what I mean? Everybody had, you know, their say about what was happening in pro wrestling. So once they see we announced that, they just automatically assume it's just a black promotion only for black wrestlers. But <laughs> that was never the idea of Terminus. The idea of Terminus was always about great pro wrestlers and putting on great pro wrestling shows, period. You know what I mean? But we also had an extra emphasis that we will showcase African-American talent that need to be showcased on that level of a platform. So diversity was going to be something that was just going to be an automatic thing with Terminus itself. So as you can see, as the first two cards, as you see, it's very diverse. And it, it does showcase a lot of African American talent that that needs to showcase at that level of platform. When so talk about that, how does this then impact if you can project forward, how does this impact the industry? Because we talk so much about you need different minority voices, you need different just voices in general, male, women, whatever it may be, in these higher up spaces in terms of promoters, in terms of people booking the matches, agents, and all of these things, how do you foresee this impacting the industry long-term? Because what you guys are doing in a vacuum right now has major impact. Do you feel like this and is part of you and Gresham's plan long-term to say, you know what, we're going to change the culture of pro wrestling on all levels? Um, I actually thought about that recently. Um, I think it is going to have an impact. It might have a trickle-down effect. But like I was saying, one of the main objectives was, you know, to have great pro wrestlers and great pro wrestling, uh, no matter the ethnic background or race. That's the number one priority. But then as the next layer, which African-American wrestlers uh, need to be showcased on a platform like that. And also, bring to light other styles of uh, African-American pro wrestlers that we normally don't see. Usually see the high flyers or you see the powerhouse. 
You know what I mean? So we try to show that, hey, there's more than us, to, more to us than being the powerhouse, you know, swole guy or the flippy guy that flies around. And I think I'm an example of that. I think John Gresham is a tremendous example of that. And also you'll see other talents that are on tournaments that also represent that as well. Like we have African-American wrestlers that wrestle many styles. It's not just those two styles that you predominantly don't see uh, in wrestling. That's been like that for so long. All right, so we're going to get ready to take this home. I mean, obviously, your match with Jay Lethal is one that everybody's looking forward to. But putting together this card, what is the match outside of yours that you're most interested in and looking forward to? Oh, um, it, it's, it's definitely... It's all of them, really. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, that's such a cop-out. Come on, man. I need... I know it's it's this I get it. It's disrespectful to just pick one, but I, I, can you give me one that you looked at and was like, "Yo, I never thought about this match," and because I don't want you to highlight it, I get what I get it. But is there one match that you say, "You know what? I didn't think this match could ever happen, but now it's happening because we put it together." Well, that's the thing. That's one of our processes that we come in mind when we get together and try to book the show. You know, we want to put something on that's that's going to be great, but we also think about, hey, has this actually been done? You know what I'm saying? So that's always an aspect to it as well. So trust me, it is a very um, vigorous process of how we finally get down to the eight matches. It's not like, hey, this guy's available. Hey, this guy's available. Let's just throw them together. It's like we actually really sit down and we think about each and every match. So that's why I gave you the answer, like all of them, because all the matches have been put, have, have thought been put into them to make it onto the card. But if you're going to make me choose a damn match, because <laughs> that's what you try to make me do, mm-hmm. um, it, it probably is going to have to be, it's going to have to be Gresham versus Santana for the ROH original world title. Simply because Santana has been an tag team wrestler for so long, and now he's trying to venture out as a sports wrestler. I think we're going to see a different Santana. I think we're going to see a different level of Santana, and I'm really anxious to see what he brings to John Crush. Mm, okay. I really am. Good one. All right. February 24th, Atlanta, Georgia, 8 p.m. Eastern, which is 5 p.m. Pacific, Fight TV. Can't wait for Terminus to happen. But this is a question I got to put you on the spot about. Whose idea was to do this goddamn Black Panther uh, promo poster that's incredible? <laughs> Whose idea was this? Well, obviously we know what February is. So, um, and this is this is for, I, I guess I'll go ahead and just spill the bit. As far as the artwork and advertising, that's really all me. It's solely me. Um, I come up with the idea, I come up with the concept, and we have great graphical designers that basically take what I have in my brain and bring it to life on paper. So I got, I got to give them props for that because whenever I come up with an idea, they're able to completely do it exactly how I envision. So 
Yeah, I came up with the idea. I wanted to pay homage to, um, obviously, uh, Chadwick, who is no longer with us. And I also wanted to have some type of imagery that represent something that also celebrated Black History Month. And I was like, oh, this is perfect combination here. Let's, let's do this type of style. And people will get it instantly. And it will actually look pretty dope. So, yeah. No, I'm, very, looks I'm very happy with it. <laughs> looks incredible. So, no, nah, man, we appreciate you joining us during this week. We root for you to break that streak. We know it's we know it's on the horizon, but in the meantime, we root for you to win this weekend. We appreciate. It. We'll be watching. I'm sure everyone else will be watching as well. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. No problem, man. The emperor, everybody, Baron Black. See, look, <laughs> I changed my tune already. I had to. The, the emperor <laughs> of AW Dark, Baron Black. We appreciate That's you, right. man. <laughs> Thanks so much. See, you gotta, you gotta say it like that. <laughs> Gotta say it like that. it comes true. Man, that was so fun talking to Baron Black. Him um versus Jay Leith. Or yeah, it's gonna be it's a great match. Incredible down there in Atlanta. So the whole card is, is really dope. Shout out to him, shout out to Gresham for putting this together. I'm intrigued on where this goes from here. I'm hoping for a Daniel Bryan run in after the Gresham. Why you call him Daniel Bryan? Oh, Brian Danielson. Sorry. Brian Danielson run in. Um after that, in a stare down, that's how you end this tournament. So I'm calling it now. If we get that after for the ROH title, yo, that's funny. You could actually do that because they ain't got nothing else to do. No, Ring of Honor's got their Supercard on the show. It's not like AEW's putting on a show to combat it. Danielson could go fly down there. That'd be the hottest ticket in town. Yo, crazy. Let's get it and build it on Terminus. That's what I hope happens this weekend, man. But thank you guys for staying with us for this long show, but very exciting. It's been a while, so it was, it was great to come back to talk. We'll be back on Sunday recapping UFC, recapping boxing, Josh Taylor fighting overseas as well, sprinkling a little wrestling later on the week um, because we also have an AEW show coming up. So, Damn. man, we're hitting the full sprint now in combat sports, so it is great, great time to be a Corner Podcast listener. In the meantime, though, Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Check out our YouTube page at The Corner Podcast on there on TikTok, which we're going to start ramping up as well since we have all these interviews and cool stuff to show. Follow us, Corner Podcast on TikTok. Follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andres Hale on all platforms. Shout out to everyone here at Blue Wire Studios, producer Cole, baby. Antoine on the ones and twos in the booth. Thank you to Blue Wire. Thank you to the Wynn Resorts where we record from this amazing studio. You guys stay safe. Have fun. We'll see you guys on Sunday. But for now, we're out. Peace. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. 
And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.